0: Welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul Macanalan, and um, this is another episode in a series of podcasts that I've titled Big Business Ideas for SMEs and Startups. Today's episode is all about psychology, um, specifically sports psychology and how that discipline can be transferred to a boardroom, a training room, a sales team, either for an individual or for a team where you want an improvement in performance etc etc. Um, I'm very lucky to be in conversation with a guy I've known for about 12 years all in. Um, Anthony McGrath is currently a domestic recruitment manager at Queens University but I first met him he was the head of marketing at the Belfast Festival at Queens quite some time ago. Um, he's been involved in GAA for years as a player and as a manager um, and has been a real advocate of sports science and psychology in personal improvement and team improvement and team management. Um, in the sporting environment. And so we get about an hour and 10 minutes with Anthony where we discuss mindset and um, fixed mindset, growth mindset, uh, motivating factors, how to put um, in place procedures and the process to help improve performance in individuals. Sports psychology, I suppose, is a little bit of a... There's some people who would think it's, it's a second cousin of witchcraft. There are those people who completely swear about it. I would be in the latter camp. I think that um, it's something that I've seen in action where um, it has helped people improve their performance immeasurably almost, um, ironically immeasurably, because it is all about measurement. The dictionary definition of sports psychology is uh, interdisciplinary science that draws on knowledge from many related fields, including biomechanics, physiology, kinesiology, and psychology. Um, in the next hour and whatever, Anthony goes into all of that um, it's a fascinating conversation I was very lucky to, um, to, to get Anthony's time because I know he's very busy um, I hope you enjoy it and I hope you get some benefit out of it um, and I uh, would we'll be interested in hearing your thoughts so you can um, hit me up on Twitter or go to the website and leave some comments as you see fit but for now um, thanks for joining me and I hope you enjoy um, the podcast with Anthony McGrath on psychology. So we're live now, Anthony. Um, a, I'm delighted to have sat here in the studio with me today, Anthony McGrath, um, who I've known for Belfast Festival Queens. Anthony, how long is that? 10 years. 10 years? Yeah, a long time. 10 years, okay. Yeah. Um, we were deliberating beforehand how to start this. So this is just a conversation, me asking questions of a guy who has a fair bit of experience and, and has studied um, an area of sports psychology and that some people in the media right now is, are pretty much debunking and saying that actually what do you need that for how would you defend your um, how do you defend your thinking
1: <laughs> where do you start with that um, I think we've discussed this Paul previously and I think there are people out there with um, you know high profiles uh, egos to match they're usually ex-players who Maybe have an axe to grind, maybe there's an element of jealousy, uh, you know, based on the fact that the game has progressed. um, That athletes and players have turned the corner in terms of professionalism. Um, And I think players, ex-players, have sat back and um, chipped away at that and tried their best to chip away at it. And it's just, it's quite sad to see. Um, So, you know, the fact that people have questioned uh, areas of science is just wrong. Um, And it's quite sad to see, as I say, you know. you know, If I was talking to a player now, I would ask them, and if they were putting doubt on, on the area of sports psychology or in any element of sports science, I would ask them, You know, every time they go out and perform, do they go out and perform to the maximum of their ability? So if the answer is yes, great, I want to meet them. Mm-hmm. I've never met somebody yes yet with a, an answer of yes. Um, if the answer is no, then there's a lot that can be done. There's a lot that can be done around mental preparation because... Um, if you think of a player um, and the various facets of a player, you know, so technical, physical, um, tactical and mental, all of those areas can be developed. Um, if you break any one of those down, each of those areas can be developed and only one of those areas is, is mental. Um, you can argue and debate all day long which one's more important. They're all important. Um, so if a player is to develop or an athlete is to develop or a person is to develop, they have to recognise all those elements um And the mental is part of that is part of that mix um so what I would say to any critic is to take a look at uh, the development of any- pr- person or player or athlete um and put that right in the center of it because mental is a core part of of development in anyone on anything
0: yeah okay um for for play and, and i i'm 'm almost tempted to apologize for throwing that question at you because we have discussed um i kind have an agenda for this podcast. Um, why am I bringing into uh, business and SME and uh, startups arena the whole idea of sports psychology? I personally buy into it completely. I think there's a psychology in in winning anything. There's a psychology in winners, a psychology in performance improvement, and um, I know you and I have discussed this a lot. That the similarities between um, high performance individuals as part of a team that goes on to become a high performance team can be on the field or in a boardroom or in a sales team. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that for those listening, I just wanted to try and uh, give some justification to that really abrupt question, but it gets the whole thing kicked off. So thanks very much, Anthony. <laughs> um, so without getting into uh, any any sort of detail about what 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 you do and everything else you you've studied this right you're you're a student of psychology of sports psychology you're not just somebody who's read a couple of uh you know Malcolm Gladwell books and said, uh, jeez that's a great idea that you've studied this you've got qualifications in this right
1: yeah uh, fortunate enough uh, i i started coaching a few years ago and uh I got really interested i got a number of qualifications around sport uh, strength and conditioning um and then i didn't feel I was good enough I wanted to know more and uh, masters in sports psychology um, but you know you're learning every day you're learning by doing and you know when I'm out coaching with a team I'm learning as much from them as they are from me and that is the important aspect so you're learning all the time um, the theory is important so the theory of what you learn behind the science is an important aspect that's the foundations of what you're trying to do but it's the application and the applying mm-hmm. of it is, is is the exciting bit that's why you do it um so for me the sports psychology bit is um it's no more important than other any other aspect. Um but it's an area that intrigues me and it continues to intrigue me and the more I learn, the more I want to learn because the more I realise I don't know. Um and that that in itself is exciting, you know, and I would encourage any player to to, to get involved in mental preparation as part of their overall development. Um, I encourage underage players to to try and engage with that as best they can in a fun way. Um, as part of their overall development, I keep talking about that word development because it is about that development of a player, um, and as I say, mental is a key and core part of that.
0: So just um pushing on through to, a there's a word that people um, mindset is is sort of very much, in 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 the vernacular these days, um, whether it's down to. Um, Again, some of the contemporary writers, Carol Dweck has written a brilliant book on mindset that I've read and that's whetted my appetite and intrigued me about, um, you know, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Um, So let's try and make this as relevant as possible and try and apply it to to a a sales team or Mm -hmm. to any kind of team. You're coming into a team um, that you know needs to improve their performance. Okay. What kind of process do you need to undergo as a coach or as a, as a manager or a trainer, to try and get people to turn their mindset around and motivate
1: them to improve. Mm. What is that process? Yeah, so the word process is an interesting one because process doesn't mean a quick fix. It's not overnight. Um, A process means a process. It means going through various stages to get to where you need to go. The way I would use an analogy for this would be um, to look at the building a house. So if you want to build something, has to be laid on solid foundations um, and that in itself is a process so if you want to get solid foundations for your team to kick on to develop and um, there are core things that you have to to analyze to develop and for me they are agreed vision uh, deciding what your vision is going to be um, agreed individual and team goals so deciding what those are going to be um, are there elements of that that needs to fall out of the choice? for example like Code of Conduct would be a really interesting one for a a team environment. Um, So ultimately it's about analyzing your visions and your your values. So it's based on your values, your collective values as a team. This is something that, for me, once you engage in that and once you you basically conclude as to what your team values are, that is the foundation to kick on. Um, You can only do that um, by hard work. And that takes a number of sessions that takes it can be painful um, I've been involved in uh, team environments where there's been arguments uh, there's been disagreements and um, but that's part of that process you mentioned so that process is very very important to get to the next stage um, if I'll, u- I'll use an example to try and illustrate this part if I can um, and probably people out there will know the fact that the All Blacks are you know one of the best teams in, in any sport um, So they've been going for the last hundred years. They have a success rate or a win ratio of 75%. Now if you had 75% in your um, success ratio for your season this year, it wouldn't be too bad a season, but to have it over a hundred years is phenomenal. So to examine that is an interesting case study in itself. Um, So for example, um, 2003, 2004, All Blacks had a disastrous World Cup, very unusual. Uh, players had um, high-profile players were ill-disciplined. Some were um, in the media for wrong, the wrong reasons. Uh, they were drunk, etc. And this was very unusual for for All Blacks. Um, so a guy called Graham Henry went in and decided to look at a number of things. And one of those things was culture, and the team culture and the ethos within the All Black uh, setup. Um, and for me, what he did there was the foundations. He looked at the foundations. So what was that house built on? What sort of foundations was it? He looked at the values, he looked at the goals, the performance goals, et cetera, and he looked at all those key things. Out of that came five key things, which I think are very important. Any team out there in any environment can learn from these, um, which I think is the, the exciting bit because they base their culture on humility. And humility is a very important thing. It's part of the New Zealand culture. And there's a lot of parallels between ourselves here uh, and that part of the world and out of that they came up with a uh, a phrase called sweep the sheds so in other words no one looks after them they look after themselves Mm -hmm. no one they don't need to bring hired help in they look after themselves the second one was to follow the spearhead so they looked at their their culture within new zealand um so if three hunters go out in the maori tradition for example and they're trying to hunt deer or hunt whatever and the three spears go in the one direction um, there's more chance of success than going in different directions um, so they, they base their culture follow the spearhead in other words it's all about the team mm-hmm. so the team environment uh, all going in one direction the other one then was uh, champions do extra again self explanatory champions do extra it, it says exactly what it what it is um, so it is all about people's work ethic working for each other working with each other working for themselves developing themselves um, the next one was an interesting one for me is keep the blue head uh, and that was uh, very much a mental thing it was the composure that's required to perform at a very high level um so a lot of the athletes within the all blacks will develop their own strategies as part of their own performance and all of them are about keeping the composure sticking to their goals keeping the focus uh, very very important aspect to what they're all about and the fifth one is a very deep one a very interesting one and it's about leaving the jersey in a better place now, if you think of what that is, that ultimately is a legacy. Um, so, in other words, you're saying to a player, if you come into the All Blacks, you've got a responsibility to that jersey because there's a generation coming behind you that you have a respons- responsibility to. Um, and if you think about that for a second, that's a really powerful thing. So, if it's a sales team, if it's a, no matter, regardless of what type of team it is, you have a legacy to do what you can to drive that forward for the next people coming through and that's a really powerful thing so if you put that in the context of any team or any sport um, if you think of you, of your responsibility as part of that that's a really you know that's a real core value so there are the core values that the all blacks had that's a high profile one but you can adapt that to any scenario mm. and for me that's the foundations if you have those foundations then and only then can you kick on to develop your team yeah, and so just very, very so
0: important. just on that, there, you know, the very first thing you said was the humility aspect, um, and, I, and I understand the link between, you know, the the New Zealand and, and Ireland um, uh, topography, attitude, people, uh, uh, quite a few similarities, mm. um, and the balance between humility and uh, sort of subservience, and then counter to that, the the arrogance, and certainly from a business perspective, I think most of the brands that I would consider as successful brands have a degree of humility about themselves. There's a spirit, or there's an aspect of humility to their essence, or however you can craft that sentence better than I'm trying to think of it. I think that the arrogant brands typically fail. It's that sigmoid curve, okay, so you start off with growth over time, Mm. and after a period of time, it's a bit like the shape of a hurley stick, so if you can envision envision the very start um, at the top, and then you dive down, and then you start getting, oh, hang on a second, this is okay, and then all of a sudden, it tapers off. And it tapers off and that confidence becomes arrogance Mm -hmm. and arrogance becomes failure. And, um, you know, business, I've worked with people in sales um, who humility has been the last thing from their mind have been successful, but I don't think it's sustainable, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talk about the All Blacks. Is it easy just to talk about the All Blacks because Mm -hmm. they have that tradition, that they have that legacy? I know that's referenced in the book, but they have this um, ability to... To see so much success that therefore there's greater pressure on them as custodians.
1: Yeah, I, you don't
0: want to be you. You don't want to be the one that sells the crown jewels. You don't want to be the one that's mm. left leaving the jersey in a bad state.
1: Mm. No, I, I, for me it's very simple. You, you know, studying best practice at any level is a, an interesting thing to do. Um, if we're involved in teams and we want the, that team to perform to a very high level, um, to compare yourself to the very best is one option. Um, you know, for me the All Blacks have it nailed they are absorbed in their culture um they they, their values are very very deep so again i'll go back to that foundations what are your foundations what are you based on um you know you can throw that open to a sales team what are your foundations for for that team to build on maybe they're building a house on 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 no foundations um so having that that solid basis is very very important particularly for a sports team because ultimately you want people and you know the the point there earlier about following the sport spearhead Um, a famous rugby manager once said about pointing all the noses in one direction Now that's a very simple thing to say the team has to follow one direction ultimately you'll have 20-30 players and they're all very different people Um, but they have to have commonalities as part of a team so once they step inside a dressing room they have to have that commonality so they have to say now I'm in this dressing room all the things that I'm thinking about today or Um, Maybe I'm in a classroom today, maybe I have personal problems, maybe I have family issues. Once I'm inside this dressing room, this is the way I behave, think and act. Mm. Um, And then there has to be off-field behaviours as well and All Blacks absolutely have that nailed as well because it's about their culture and the culture is a very deep thing. And that, for me, is what Graham Henry nailed. Mm. He got the All Blacks back from 2003, back on track again. And, you know, it's now well known in terms of their, their culture. And people have copied it, and they're and they're they're trying to to do it as best they can. But for me, you have to identify your own culture, and that is a big question. What is your culture? How do you drive that to drive your performance? And ultimately, this is the foundation. So you lay on top of that a really solid performance. Yeah. Um, the performance, the icing on the cake, but there has to be a cake. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, you know, beyond that, then moving on to the next phase, the next stage, you're looking at things like. If you're looking at your performance, for example, so what's your, your performance profile? What does a really good performance look like? Um, So if you're sitting with a player or perhaps a team, what does a really solid performance look like? Are you bringing in visualisation in this well, context? Well, that, that? Not, not in that context. Okay. So for example, if you're the performance profile, um, what are your KPIs, for example? Okay. So what does a, a solid attacking performance look like? What does a solid defensive performance look like? What do people within the roles have to contribute as part of that? Um, I'm sp- talking in, in, in broad terms here but KPI's will be a key part of that, your key performance indicators um, based on the scenarios that are happening in, in the game. Your game plan, what are the rules within that game plan for example. Uh, your tactics um, and again that can easily be applied as part of a business setting. Um, you know, For example you could develop leadership groups within a collective setting as well. Um, Leicester City for example are renowned at the moment for for driving that, that area. Um, you know, what are your pre-game routines so what are the routines to get into a certain mindset for example are you leaving that to chance um you know are you, you just simply giving it a lash jackie if you've got your fingers crossed and said hopefully we'll turn up and give it a lash those days are over Elite sport doesn't lend itself to that it's about turning up in a certain ma- mindset um going through the process mm. to get into that mindset and that takes time and it takes work um you know things like emotional control how do you manage that are certain players need to do they need to engage in that others perhaps don't again every player is different what's their pre, pre-game game routine uh, positive self-talk very important aspect uh, maybe there's collective elements maybe there's things on the wall uh, maybe there's individual elements and I, I'm covering a lot of different things maybe it's, an individual player yeah. will, will contact, be in contact with one or two of those
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it's about getting themselves into a certain mindset that will allow the flow state happen. Yeah. and the flow state is essentially that best Mental state that you can possibly be in to allow a good performance. Yeah, if that makes sense.
0: Completely um, right. So, the, so without and it's very difficult just for people listening. It's very difficult for Anthony and I to step outside of the realms of the the GAA in this. And I know that um, my experience in GAA is is more of a fan than anything else. And Anthony has been a coach at the highest level within the sport. Um, I can remember speaking to somebody years ago who was telling me that they played in an under twenty one final. And uh, they didn't know what the flow was until they went on. And then everything was in slow motion and silent. And he could hear the coach in the sidelines shouting to him. Um, and he knew exactly what to do in that time because he had reached that state of flow when the skill level and the ability, the skill level and the challenge level sort of uh, uh crossed over the and they flow on arousal and he just he just said, I just knew what to do. I couldn't explain it to you at the time, mm-hmm. but now it was about 15, maybe 20 years ago that he was playing at that level. Um, and I think it's the same in business too. I think whenever you know that you've done the preparation for a presentation, when you have come in with your mind and eating nutrition and even in sales is very important. You get a lot of guys drinking a lot of Red Bull and drinking and overloading and coffee but that spikes your performance and it spikes your performance typically in a bad way mm-hmm. so if you're you're really really um into the whole um nutrition preparation sleep um everything else but you can see salespeople who go on their zone and and you know it's it's everything you're talking about there for mm-hmm. the, par- the parallels are are, are are uncanny almost definitely yeah, yeah. um so right so then so a mindset of a team. Is there a team in particular that you could reference that is a really good example? Trying to maybe step out of GAA again. Who for a team that is Leicester a really good example right now of a team that's just gone from yeah. relegation last year and all of a sudden they're they're now qualified for the Champions League. It's Stobrawa, the Rover stuff. It's it just is, unprecedented. It is, it is. It's
1: fairy tale stuff, and it's uh, they're probably the best example out there at the minute of of a team that's um, performing consistently well. And that word consistent is very important because. Teams can go out and perform well and they can go out and perform badly. But where's the consistent level? And that comes from mental preparation. So there's, and I mentioned the KPAs, there's those um, things that will keep a performance solid. It will keep the team between the ditches, for the want of a better phrase. So yeah. it's about, you know, if you do hit the ditch, what pulls you back in again? Have you got that trigger to self-talk? Whatever the strategy you decided to be, what is it? Or do you leave it a chance? Do you go out and give it a lash and, and hope for the best? So you, I'll use Leicester as an example, for example, and, and you know I think it's a very good one at the minute. There's a guy called Ken Way, who's their current uh, performance psychologist, and he's on record recently, uh, uh, talking about you know the season and how it's gone. And obviously, he's a, a character who uh, people want to hear from because of, of how well they're doing. Um, but interestingly for me, Claudio Ranieri is, the, is their manager. And the thing I remember is when he was appointed a couple of years ago, um, was how vocal Gary Lineker was, who's a big mm. obviously Leicester fan, Leicester boy, all that sort of stuff. Um, and he was very vocal at him being the wrong appointment. Um, but if you look at Claudio's background, um, he's absolutely got loads of, of evidence there for a man of growth mindset. A man who uh, develops leaders from within, so he gives the power to the players. And Ken Way, who I've just mentioned, is on record recently as saying, I do very little it's the players who do everything, they drive everything from within. So there's big characters in that dressing room. There's uh, people in there driving the thing forward. Um, And that, you know, I mentioned earlier, all the little things you can do to drive uh, performance and setting up leadership groups. But within that squad, you've got leaders. Now, a fixed mindset would tell you, well, they've had no injuries. They've been very lucky in that respect. A growth mindset would tell you they've got leaders in that group. Um, They're very calm. We talked about the flow state. I'd say there was many an occasion this season where they were absolutely in that flow state mm. um, because they've done everything in terms of their preparation to get into that flow state. They engage heavily in mental preparation. I know that. Um, and Kenway would be a leader in, in that area. There are seven or eight points clear in the, the Premiership at the minute. That's phenomenal. Um, and that's, you know, you have to examine as to how they're there. What is the case? Is it simply that they have high quality players? Most people would say that they don't. Um, what do they have? You know, we mentioned humility there a while ago, Paul, and I, I think this is an interesting one in that if you have something that the competition don't doesn't have, does that make you better? Well, probably yes. And I would guess that these players who are much less money than the rest of the Premiership, uh, they've come from the non-leagues, you know, their striker, for example, is a guy who three years ago was playing in... Um, non-league football. I think that's rem- um, I think that is
0: just for me that's that's remarkable. And if anybody needs an incentive for it can happen, it can, you can do it. Yeah. In any sport and in any business, you know, if you're working as a salesman or you're working in tele-sales yeah. and then you think, well, I'm always going to be stuck here. I hate this company, or it's the fixed mindset. You know, it's my, it's not, it's it's, it's not them. It's it, it's not me. It's them. Everything around is the, is their fault. Or you just say no. Actually, the, you know, talking earlier on, the obstacle is the opportunity, and
1: mm. you just you know. The obstacles away totally and they had their goals at the start of the season they're on record now as saying what they, as to what they were Um but they had their performance goals as well and they continued with those once they achieved their their goal of staying up in the Premiership they probably revised those and they looked at their um, their performance goals and their performance goals have been solid week in week out um, yes they've hadn't they haven't had injuries so they hadn't had to test their squad but that's part and parcel they accept that they are where they are and they move on there are other examples, like you know, you look at individual examples of high-profile athletes. Um, you know, Rory McIlroy, for example, would be a key one, who's now engaging in mental preparation. Um, it takes people almost uh, to appreciate it. They've probably fallen off a cliff at certain stages uh, in terms of their career, and then they get back on and say, "Look, I need to engage in mental preparation because part of uh, it's part of the game. Golf is probably one of the most demanding games in terms of uh, the mental side." Um, so Rory McIlroy for example there was a headline a few years ago um, I think it was 2010-11 when he had a disaster I think it was in the, in the Masters um, and there was a headline Rory learns how to bounce back mm-hmm. um, now what does that mean? that means the word learn was the most important thing because he he engaged he, he learned from having uh, fallen off that cliff um, so I, I mentioned just a quick one earlier about teams keeping it between the ditches you know teams absolutely will clip ditches every so often they will fall into the ditches they may stay stay in the ditches for a while but I'm using that analogy for a reason because sometimes people can't get out yeah. um, and it's about having done the work and the strategies to get out of the ditch and get back on the road again and back on the horse or so whatever the analogy you want to use but Rory has learned that he's learned that and he's you know, it doesn't mean he's going to win every competition, but he's trying to be the best version of R- Rory McIlroy that he can be, and that is the consistency. If he can develop that consistency, yeah. that is what Rory Rory has, has learned. You know, one of the
0: one of the things that that we were talking before we went went live with this about that book, The Obstacle Is the Way, and I'm, I'm I'd probably quote once or twice from it just in this session, but it's an amazing book and it goes back. Um, really really f- f- quite you know two thousand odd years to the stoics and tim ferris talks about seneca all the time and he has transcribed seneca a lot and he talks about this in his podcast and everything else but one of the lines that Rand holiday comes out with in the book he says "Um, you you make a mistake become part of your training mm-hmm. you know the mistake becomes part of your training and that's a line i'd written down here mistake becomes training and for most people, a mistake becomes an anchor and it's just as a, it's a, it's an impediment. And the self-talk you talk about, the chat that mm-hmm. the most boring guy in the fucking room is in your head right now and he's telling you you can't do something because it's a mistake. I, I can relate to that through the fixed and the growth mindset thing from playing basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, back at, at... I went to university with a coach in basketball. I We've talked about this and the only reason I'm trying to mention it now is because I think there's a great degree of relevance to it and I still... I had a massive problem with the coach at the university. He was the coach of the British basketball team, but he didn't pick me, and it was his fault. Like, do you know what I mean? It, honestly, I swear to God, like I was playing with three English internationals, two Greek internationals, and I was, why are you not picking me? Like, and and all oh, right, that's right, you didn't work hard enough, and I I didn't try. And and somewhere along the line, he was sending a signal to me, right, lad? Do you really want this? Like, you can, it's yours to do. I'm not going to hold you back. I held myself back.
1: So. In that instance, right, and that's a really interesting example, what I would think there straight away is what are the controllables? So what can you control in that scenario? So a player will come to me, for example, and has done on many occasions um, they haven't played or they haven't been picked. So you talk about what is in their control at that moment in time. What's in control the next 24 hours, the next 48 hours, and the next week? So what are your goals across those? So, What can you control to develop that scenario? Or do you say, do you start to point the finger and talk about the uncontrollables? So the things that are completely out of your control and put your focus on those. Totally. So ultimately it's about you performing. It's about you performing to the best of your ability on a consistent basis. If you can try and say that that's ultimately your ultimately your objective, then it's about taking control. And what your control is is the small little things that you can do in the next five minutes, yep. in the next five hours, and the next day. And if you can nail those, yep. then you'll start to develop. And that's the growth mindset that we talked about. So,
0: so the first thing I've written down there was be objective. Okay, so if you're subjectivity, it's like you know, if it's all about me, he doesn't like me, he doesn't think I'm good enough. No. I don't think I'm good enough. It's his fault that I feel this way. It's not because the only thing you can control are your emotions there and then. The only thing that you have is is um, the perception. You let perception kill you, or you let it drive you forward. Yeah. Your perception of that moment is what. And the in, in in Carol Dweck's book, whoever whoever hasn't read it, and if you're interested in this space, there's a lot of books that I'm going to reference on the on the website afterwards. Carol Dweck's book about mindset is amazing because it was then that I realized that the age I am now why I messed up at basketball. There was nobody there to tell me here I wasn't good enough to be to for somebody to invest the time to make him okay because they had all these other guys playing. But I kind of realized that if you know if it's to be, it's down to me. You have to take control, and it's the controllable. The stuff that you can control is what's in your head right now, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to learn to say, "Get out! I'm not thinking that way right now." for, as you say, five minutes, 10 minutes, or the next 20 minutes, or the last five minutes of this game, or the first 20 minutes of the training session. So taking that into the sales environment, the first sales call didn't go well, the second sales call didn't go well, the third sales call didn't go well, and all of a sudden you're having a bad day. Really? No, you're not. You don't know what a bad day looks like. You walk around the streets of Belfast at half five in the morning, you see what a bad day looks like, because that's when a bad day starts when you're on the street and you've nowhere to go. You need to take control, you need to take responsibility, and you need to have triggers and all kinds of mech, because this stuff will happen very frequently, Anthony, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
1: Could, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'll give you a quick example just as you're speaking there. An example has jumped into my head. Um, a player I was working with um, a few years ago now, and uh, he, was, he was operating at a, at a decent level, he had a big reputation. Um and he was performing consistently poorly across a number of games. Um but the team was very successful. So he was seen as one of the better players in the team, but it wasn't happening for him. So it came to a point where um it was being considered that we drop him for the next next phase, for the next game. Um so we discussed it with him directly and, and I had a one to one with him and he, he talked about his confidence levels. So very quickly asked him what his confidence level was in a mark out of ten. So he came back with a three out of three or four out of ten so i asked him which one which one was it he thought about it for a second he said three so we talked about it in terms of why it's a three and we looked at the different reasons why that was the case um and we looked at how we could move that three to a four in the next 24 hours by doing something so taking control so what are the controllables are we looking at the things that somebody else has taken his position, or is there he hasn't got the equipment that other people have? So we're all sort of uncontrollable reasons that, that were being thrown up, or could he do something that was going to get his confidence? So he's taking control of his confidence. So we went for them, and this is a, a, a bit of a story behind this, but he went from his confidence managing his confidence up to a four, and within a week we had it to a five, and within a couple of weeks before the next round of the competition we had his confidence at eight out of ten it may drop back every so often but he managed it and we revised it and we looked at it an 8 out of 10 he was managing his confidence a lot of people associate confidence with uh, the environment and things that happen them and it's uncontrollable it's absolutely controllable so if you can think your confidence is controllable hmm. think about your belief and all yeah, those absolutely. things that underpin that yeah. and therefore your performance is controllable yeah. so this guy went from 3 out of 10 in confidence and he went to an all Ireland semi-final with 10 out of 10 in his confidence. In the quarter, finally, he was man of the, ma- man of the match, got uh, three points from play, in a very low-scoring game, and he was a defender. Um, so that's... Uh, it just shows you the power of this. So just this, is, you know, this is about taking control of these things.
0: Okay, so chipping in then, how, how much responsibility would you take... Not would you personally take for that, because it's not about, um, uh, you know, a portion in respond. Well, I'll try it again. Do, do you just... hit them a nudge and then they've got to figure it out themselves or do you have
1: a more active role in in pointing them in that direction I think there's a little bit of both there is absolutely the guidance that's required there Um, the coaching that's what a coach should do You know, there's no point in preaching at a player um, he has to know you care first Hmm. Um, and that's the first step and that would have been our first conversation Um, but then it's about him figuring things out so again that word keeps coming up here it's learning how best can I learn from this? Um, and he learned his way through three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. And for an all and a quarter he was eight out of 10. He went to 10 out of 10 and he was back. He was back to where he was, but he managed and controlled that. He came back with solutions. Again, growth mindset. He absolutely could see the value in this. Within two weeks of us having that initial conversation, he was back up to six or seven out of 10. He could see the value in this, um, but he did the work. He figured out the solutions. Um, there was a little bit of guidance there yes but he did the work and, and, yeah. and that's the power of this you know there's a huge amount of research out there that underpins uh, the value in this type of pre- type of preparation um, as I say most people out there will leave this to, con- to leave it to chance um, I always call it fingers crossed mode so throw the ball up you know fingers crossed and, and give it a lash it's about uncrossing your fingers and taking control of all of these little details. When you do that, you're in control of it. And then you're on the pathway to performing well, not necessarily success, but performing to the very best of your ability. And then and only then can you achieve success.
0: So um, I think of that I, I'm fascinated by the space and we've talked about all of this for, for, I don't know how long now, since we've probably um, crossed swords, certainly in the GAA um, arena. And one of the things that comes to mind but um the common influence of things like uh, like mindfulness and taking time out to be really focused on where you are right now and Mm -hmm. to block off all of the stuff that has happened in the past and to not worry about the next game in the championship and the next this that and the other it's about now and now has never been more important and you get that in sales as well you know everybody mindfulness is becoming very very fashionable and and um there's a lot of people I, I think in the, in Christianity it's not a Buddhist thing like it's not it's not religion specific it's just a state of mind that that allows you to be more focused and to be in control of your emotions and I've often thought about getting you know boys in to do mindfulness sessions because I've practiced it a bit and I would do a bit of meditation and that and it does cleanse the oil head when it's busy you know but if you're um The thing that springs to mind for me is Peter Canavan and Muggsy going, I don't mind, I don't mind, in 2005, you know, yeah, of course you mind, Muggsy, (laughs) you know, and Peter didn't mind. Yeah. He didn't think about it, you know. And McElroy and those moments of brilliance by the All Blacks that are just there. The, was it three years ago when they were defending a record of being completely through a professional season unbeaten? And it was 22-18 against Ireland. And in the last second of the game they won and it was just the most amazing thing. But that's presence, that's being there, right there
1: for that time. Paul, well, you said five words there which are very interesting. He didn't think about it. So that's the mindset that ultimately the best performers are in. That's the flow right. state where That's you're the not. Flow state. Yeah. They, don't, they don't need to think about it. Yeah. How do you get to that stage? That's the important bit. So again, do you leave it to chance? Well, it won't happen. It doesn't happen by chance. So you 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 prepare in that that sense. So we look at elements like uh, visualization, for example, is a big part of so just preparation. so and without I don't want to cut you in there because I don't want to forget about
0: this and but go through visualization now because I I would be like
1: before I do that pause sorry, right, sorry I think it's just I think you mentioned in the now right so. And that's a very important thing because I think all athletes, no matter what sport they, they perform in, um, that is the environment. That is the zone that you want to be in. So I know as a player, for example, I constantly dwell on mistakes. Um, I look at the scoreboard and I've thought about the impact of where we were. That's all the future in the past. Neither of those are helping my performance where we are. So, for example, I was dealing with a, um, a goalkeeper uh, relatively recently who dwelled on bad kickouts. So if he took a, a kick out, he was killing himself for the next five minutes. So where was he there? He was in the past. He was concentrating in the past. Was he in the future or in the present? He was completely absorbed in the mistake that he just made. Um, if it was a good kick out, he was still thinking about the previous kick out. So this is you know, this is the area that we we examined and he developed a strategy to get into the now. So he just simply looked at front, middle and back in, in his head and he simply tapped his head to get back into the now and he had one little phrase to use on that. Now it worked for him over a period of time. He had to revise it every so often. It's not something that's just going to work forever. And I found I found my mental state, and that's it. He had to work very hard at it. So that's the bit that you, you have to work at. And every athlete, if you want to perform well, if you want to in business environment, you want to perform well. Where are you now? Are you absorb in that task that you're doing because that's the flow state. Or are you thinking about previous? Are you thinking about what you're going to have for lunch? Where are you going tonight? all of those things will affect your performance and affect your behaviours. Mm. And that's... So sorry to interrupt. No, no, no it's classic. Right, I right. so, so I, what I'm
0: going to do now is I'm going to just take a, 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 a... We're not going to stop, but I just want to remind people where we are here. Um, I'm sitting... Uh, I'm Paul McAnallon. Um, that's Anthony McGrath. It's a fascinating conversation about that whole space of, of all the stuff that people think is bollocks, really. Um, it's the most important stuff. Uh, the thing that I get about it is that a disproportionate amount of time in your life is spent training your body and uh, so little is spent training your mind. And um, you know, in the place that we've grown up in, and you talk about religion, and you talk about everything else, if that stuff works for you to get calm in your head, to think about what's really important, because now is the, the bit that's really important. Wheel it back, Anthony, because the visualization thing is really important. I want to put this in the context of business, again, for those people who are trying to trying to join the dots out, out with our conversation. Visualization for me is crucial in, in sales. Um, I've had bad days, I've had awful days, and I've had some deadly days um, on the phone or pre- presenting in front of one-to-many or one-to-ones. And the days that I have been on top of my game is the days that I've woke up visualising elements of the presentation where they say yes, visualising the relationship six months down the line, visualising the co-partnership and branding. Selling shirt sponsorship is one of the most obvious a. Uh, uh, Visualization uh, processes whereby you can manifest the visualization to reality. You can get a shirt printed with a name on it, mm-hmm. and you can start thinking, We're going to get these guys, and you work towards that. I'm making it sound very simplistic, but it's becoming more and more um, of a force within sport, right?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely it is. Um, I, it's, it's probably seen as something that's come out in a work for the last couple of years, but interestingly, I, I was doing this as an athlete in athletics um, 20 years ago. Um, because I had a very good coach, um, and I found it massively valuable. Then when I got into this area and started to study this area, um, I really could see the research behind it and um, the importance of it. So just to very quickly give you, I'm not going to get into too too much theory, but um, if you um, visualize, you close your eyes, you get into a certain mental state, you relax, um, and then you start to visualize a certain element of skill, um, a skill that you've acquired, um, and you start to visualize that, you see it, at first hand and you experience it the same part of the brain fires as if you were actually undertaking that skill in real life in other words you're training that part of the brain mm-hmm. um so you know there's huge value in that area every team i've been involved in the last few years we've engaged in it there's t- there's obviously a lot of skepticism around it and there's a lot of people who will start to um, raise their eyebrows and think what the hell is this um that takes a little bit of time to get over overcome um but you know, the players do do get absorbed in it. Um, they do start to perform um, consistently well, and it's part of the mix. There's other elements of mental preparation, but it's part of the mix. And I would ask players, um, teams that I've been involved in, to engage in that on a nightly basis, just before they go to sleep. Very, very simple thing, five minutes, and um, simply draw back a, a very good performance previously, think about a couple of things, and then think about the next performance. So that's simple.
0: Do you take it back to John Wooden? Is this, because so the, the, my first conversation with anybody about visualization, was uh, about, oh, I'd say 12, 13 years ago. I would have been introduced to John Wooden by a guy in England, and I read some of his stuff. What turned me off John Wooden is is a little bit too much of a focus on the Christianity thing. Not that that's a bad thing, but I just think there's you know, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wasn't a Christian. You know, so the he was part of the UCLA team, mm. and also went on to the LA Lakers and and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's not, it's not about the religion thing; it's about the application of it. And John Wooden allegedly took five guys from his team. John Wooden was one of the most successful basketball coaches in in uh, UCLA history. I think he won eight or twelve championships in a period of fourteen years. It's been unrivaled and unsurpassed since. And Wooden got five guys to sit down and do what you're doing, sit down and, and get in the zone, in a chair, in a room, thinking about taking free throws. And then he got the other five guys to go out on the court to practice their free throws. Yeah. And the next day they went head-to-head, and the team that had been visualising hit 98%, and the mm-hmm. team that hadn't hit 95 Now, that's a nice little story, and anecdotally, there's probably a lot of stuff has been lost in that time. But that always stood by me. That always stood by me as, like, I don't think it's it's, like... As the Americans might call woo woo, or maybe people in around Belfast might say a load of bollocks, I think there's
1: a lot in it. You know, no, look for me, I, I've just simply been convinced by the research. The research in that area, there's nobody can can argue with it. It's there in black and white. There was research done in in uh, in America, and very simply, it was about uh, developing strength in your hand. Um, so very simply, what they tried to do was they split uh, people into groups in a university. Split people into groups of three. Um, so one group, for example, Group A had to, they had to do nothing, so they didn't develop anything. Um, group B had to develop they had to do physical exercises on their hands, and they had to develop the strength in their hand. And the third group had to do visualization. Um, so they were visualizing the same as Group B. Uh, group B, who did the physical side, um, they developed by 54 percent in terms of strength over a three-week period. The third group, which is the visualization group developed by 31 percent 31 percent by simply visualizing Mm -hmm. the the thing the activity that the group group b did and the no activity group didn't develop at all so which is obviously a a no-brainer in other words what that simply says is physical practice plus mental practice is better than physical practice on its own and to me i don't care who's skeptical i don't care who um you know downs any of this type of research for me that's black and white People have done it. I've done it as, a, as an athlete. I know it works. And the players that I've worked with know it works. Um, and as I say, it's all about trying to develop that performance. It's about getting into that flow state. And all of these things, like visualisation, um, and that's part of the mix. It's not the, the core part. Uh, it's part of it. Um, we, we had a statement in a team that I had before, and it was about we have been here before. Simply that was to, to drive against panic. That was to drive against any uh, issues that might come up during a, during a game. And we've been here before we had been there before because we visualized it we would visualized every aspect that we possibly could every um, scenario that could present itself we had visualized it um, so it could be a little 60 seconds during a coaching session it could be their five minutes standard before they go to bed or it could be our 20 minutes on game day um, so you know across those different aspects they all have been there before they might not have been physically there before but they've mentally been there before and that's an important aspect so when the crunch comes in a game and the pressure's uh, on, um, they are likely to perform to their maximum. And that's, that's ultimately what this is all about.
0: <laughs> so, so, like, and I think one of the things that I'm conscious of as well, that we're probably, if, if there's any reference to the begrudgers, it's the flea and the tail wagging the dog. They're not important because I, I think it does work and I've, I've got examples of it working in business. Uh, I can personally relate to examples where I have visualised stuff um, and whenever you're at, it's all part of preparation really it's it's how bad do you want something how bad are you prepared to do what it takes to get to where you need to go yeah. and a lot of people you know, you know again will make oh I'm very very prepared oh I'll do anything and you know the doctor the hip hop preacher who talks about meeting the guru on the beach and getting your head shoved underwater and what does it feel like to be out of breath well that's do you want it bad enough that you can't mm. breathe and for some people that sounds yeah but that's the difference between success and failure is it is inches, it's small stuff, but it's those we talk about the you know, the critical stuff, the really, really critical stuff, and making sure that if you want something, that you'd leave no stone unturned, that you do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's within the confines of the law. People like Lance Armstrong perhaps did whatever it took out, out with the confines of the law, but you know, you're talking about amateur sport, you're talking about working in a business environment where. If you're not hungry for the sale, some some competitors hungry for the sale. Somebody else is. So what do you want to do? Like you get up in the morning and say, "Yeah, I got up really early this morning. I'm really up for it." No, it's what you do when you're present and what you know. It's Mm. complex. Like it's not you know. Maybe maybe
1: sounds easy. It's complex. You mentioned Lance Armstrong there. Performance enhancement. This mental preparation is performance enhancement. Yeah. Legal, but it's it's there and it's everyone can access it. Um. But unfortunately, a large section of the population still don't recognise it as a performance enhancement. I think in the next generation, everyone will be engaged in this yeah, uh, as part dark. of. You know, as I say, there was a time when people were slacking off strength and conditioning, and um, they were calling them bodybuilders. That is science. You're arguing with science, and it, you know, only a fool would argue with science. You know, it's just or a Christian or a Christian. <laughs> yeah, that too. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. three times and that I've done, referenced. Yeah. That I I, I <laughs> nearly blast
0: myself when I remember how to do it. So, um, Right so you we're building blocks here you've got your foundation you're talking about you know setting the vision the goals and the values you're talking about the key performance indicators you know that's exactly what a sales manager or a CEO will do at the start of every calendar year or every financial year or in Japan they talk about 5 10 15 year plans you know but yeah. you got people working in your team right you got guys that you're working with um and it's very obvious that there's a, a fixed mindset in one person how can you shift that? Like, how how can you? Do you think there's a value in focusing on one person who's got the fixed mindset, or do you, you know, do you think well, you're not going to start in this team, and and the parlance and work is that you know, in the business environment you're going to struggle here, mm. so you're trying to performance manage them out of the business or whatever it is. But if you've got a fixed mindset, what do, what do you
1: do to? Uh, how can you turn that around? Yeah. So. It's important to, to say what a fixed mindset is and a, a growth mindset uh, as to what they are because we've referred to them throughout this and um, it's a very important thing. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in St George's Park uh, last month at a, a conference in sports science. Um, and they no, St George's Park is the English FA's yeah, yeah. HQ? Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Sorry. Um, and they present a number of different case studies which were really fascinating and, and one of them was really insightful. Um, one of them was they followed a number of players uh, throughout Europe and a lot of them were based in England um, from the age of uh, 8 to 15 um, there were guys who signed up to academies very early Um it was about 500 players so they followed them and they wanted to try and track through as to those players who uh, made it and those who didn't and decide why or, or come to the conclusion as to why certain players made it and certain didn't the, the evidence was absolutely conclusive those who um, had a, a possessed a growth mindset made it. Those who didn't, and it was so conclusive, it was unreal. Those who didn't, who had a fixed mindset, um, went in a different direction. So they may have had the talent, they had the physical prowess, they had the athleticism, um, but they simply didn't make it when it came to the crunch. Um, so, so why is that? Well, generally, it's about the way they're brought up. So if you really think about uh, parenting, such and getting into parenting now, but um, it's an important aspect. If a child, for example, is um, praised and is given a lot of praise, and they're very good and they're talented, and aren't you great at that? And you're naturally good at that, they're likely to develop uh, a fixed mindset on the basis that they will crave that praise and they will seek shortcuts to get that praise. Deadly,
0: yeah. Okay. The next
1: stage of that, so those who are getting growth, uh, you know, getting um, parenting around the growth mindset they will generally be people who are praised for their effort. Yeah. There are people who will, uh, therefore, as a, as a result of that, will, will look for challenges. Yeah. So there was research done in South America, um, two different groups of a class was separated into uh, one group was, um, they were all given the same test, and the uh, the, the uh, students on, on one side were given loads of praise, just what I've just mentioned there. They were given, um, they were told how talented they were, how naturally uh, gifted they were in that area, and they were given all that praise. The other group were praised based on effort. Um, Three weeks later, they were asked which test they wanted, and they were given another test, they were asked which test they wanted. Did they want the easy one or the hard one? 95% of those who were given the initial praise to say they were very good, they went for the easy test because they wanted that praise again. 95% equally, on the other side, um, because this research was carried out through North America and after this with thousands of kids and it was completely coming through consistently. Those who were um, given the, um, the feedback of the challenge, they absolutely rose. They wanted the harder test. Um, so that's a small insight as to how you develop a growth mm. mindset and how a fixed mindset evolves. People would think it's automatically, you know, people half glass, glass half full, half empty, um, and that's innate. It's not the case at all. It's their environment. It's how they're brought up, and that goes into coaching then as well. But that, um, but that part of that, and I, and I I'm, I'm
0: devil's advocate here because yeah. a lot of it is, you know, when you're um, t- reading the psychology of of performance, people say that you can't blame your environment they say that, you know, it's not your parents' fault that you have got like this, that, and the other. And, mm. and they throw a gauntlet down and say, you got to suck it up. It is what it is. You've got to push on. Yeah. But the notion that your environment is somehow responsible for you being a fixed mindset is an even further impediment but it can be changed, and that's the thing. Okay, so like crack on there, because yeah. I'm I'm conscious of the time, be, right? Absolutely. And yeah. and I'd like to do this again and continue this conversation because mm-hmm. I find it interesting, and, and it's not. I know that from the people that, that I've spoken to, this th- th- this is a fascinating area. A, a growth is fa- if you can control growth, yeah. How could it not be anything else but fascinating? Yeah, so exactly. so how
1: do you change then? So so yeah. So very simply, um, and I'll put it in the simplest terms I can. If I was a coach or as a manager, I want to reward the effort. Uh, in the coaching environment, so the effort to develop, the effort to um, evolve as a player, to develop and grow, all that sort of stuff, as part of a coaching session. Um, if I start to talk about success or um, the end result, um, then simply I'm talking about a fixed mindset. Um, so I want to work with players who are going to find solutions to things. They are going to present them problems to to find out uh, the answer to those problems because they, you know, they will fe- they will face big issues on down the line um so again it's, it's exactly the same environment as you i was talking about parenting earlier um you can challenge fixed mindsets Um fixed mindsets are out there we all possess elements of fixed mindset i do i know that mm-hmm. i annoy myself when i think about certain things um but it is about educating yourself as to what a fixed and a growth mindset is and challenge yourself first of all um, but within that coaching environment within that business environment it's important to celebrate uh, effort first of all uh, the strategy around effort, so finding solutions to fi- to, to issues and problems, mm. and that can be equally at home in the business environment as it can in on um, in, in a sports field. Um, so you know, growth mindset underlines all of this this development. Um, I, yeah, underpins success it's,
0: really. I and, and um, again, it's, uh, I feel it's a confessional moment. I, and and when I was working in places and in, over in in London and that, I can remember distinctly starting off and your first, your probationary period in a in, in a sales environment, you're probably never going to work any harder, you know, because your best, your best sales pitch was your interview to get in, and after that you're trying to get that level again of performance, and you're putting the head down, and you're putting the hard yards in, and you're doing everything else, and then you realise that actually, you know, the harder you work, the easier it gets, and the fixed mindset is, this is fairly easy, you know, and then after a while you see guys flying past you, and you're not hitting the targets, is because you've taken your eye off the prize, because a fixed mindset is is um it's just so limiting. a growth mindset is as it says like you just continue, you just keep her lit, you don't nothing nothing stops you. It's like the obstacle is the way. you yeah. know it's like for somebody with a fixed mindset, it's like, oh jeez I can't do that And the growth mindset is like that's going to be some challenge. you can't wait to get stuck into that. Let's see how we can fix this yeah. and and um it's important you know it's important that that a businesses identify that that is an issue. So this is not just for the Googles and the, the, the Microsofts and the big companies that have got uh, consultants advising the consultants to look after the consultants who are going to water the plants. This is about small businesses knowing that all that hard effort, spending locking people in a room and saying make 40 phone calls, do 20 presentations, challenge them, stretch them, uh, KPI them, monitor them, control, train them, coach them. That's a sales pitch for me, unashamedly, coach them. Um, get somebody over deep practice and purposeful practices which is mm. what I'd like to talk about the next time yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but but you need to be able to have some kind of checks and balance for that because you just can't let how did you get on today oh not too bad oh good man you know, it's 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 more about um performance is, is about monitoring, it's about the boring stuff, it's about the grids and spreadsheets and checking out so there's fourteen things that we need to do that constitutes a good salesman. How many of those are we doing and how are we scoring in the confines of that, which is what you're talking about earlier, yeah. about trying to get yeah. the guy to like get back into the present and like perform at your best. Mm. This only makes sense to those people who think it's important to improve.
1: Yeah.
0: If you don't think it's important to improve I didn't think it was important to work hard at basketball in 1989. If I'd have worked as hard as I could, I'm sure I might have made the seconds even. And maybe he got a run out. That team went on to win two of the BPSA best team of the year twice in a row. Like that was a great team. I I deep down didn't think I was good enough and I was blaming him for it. It was easy to say the coach didn't pick me. No, he didn't. I didn't make it. I didn't make his decision hard. His decision was easy not to pick me, you know? Mm, yeah. So, again, it's easy not, oh, yeah, I didn't get that seal because of the weather it was bad, because, no, no, hang on, you didn't get the seal because you didn't do everything within your power to do the best, to be the best that you could be, which, going back to John Wooden, is his definition of success. So yeah, yeah. Um Right where... That's fifty-five minutes. We're going to go for another bit because this—I am enjoying this, and I don't care what you think when you listen to it out there, right? So, um, <laughs> <It should laughs> talk, yeah, you're all the way home there. Um, if you if you haven't got to the house yet, sit in your car for about ten minutes longer, and we'll see what the crack is here. Okay, so um, this is very complex. A you always want to give somebody takeaway things when you're listening to these things. So how can I apply that to my business? Or how can I challenge it? And and one of the things that you'd want, certainly I would want is people to send emails to and say, I disagree with that because, or oh no, I, I get the value in that because. So walking away, are there three things, and just keep it in clusters here, or chunks if you like, three things that you can, if somebody was listening that they want to apply this to themselves or to a team they're working with to improve performance, what would you suggest? And I'm going to help you off here. The first thing I would suggest is definitely, definitely get into podcasting, listening to podcasts that are relevant within your sector. So if you're in sales, try and find out about how the guys that are selling big chunks of stuff for big money do it. I would also say get Carol Dweck's book on Mindset because it's very easy to read. It's 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 uh, going through everything that Anthony is talking about. There's obviously Anthony's at mastery at this level. You're at The Apprentice with Carol Dweck, but she doesn't miss too much of it. And I would say the challenge is to remember that you're always learning. You always need to be learning. So whatever you know now is never going to be enough for next week. It's just enough for now. So keep on listening to the podcast and books. That's what I would say. What would couldn't, you say? Couldn't
1: agree more, Paul. I, I really, like, you know, since so basically did this qualification, uh, a master's, all that gave me was a thirst for knowledge. That's all, that's all it gave me. I've learned more since doing a master's than... Uh, the masters itself the masters was just basically the confidence to say god you know this really is interesting I can I can learn this myself I can apply these things Um I can watch this develop players and you know that that itself is exciting that's empowering so what it means you can kick on and, and learn these things yourself so I really would would uh, be a big advocate of podcasts whilst you're driving uh, out for a walk you know or you're in the shower whatever it's it's it's, it's dead time in one sense it's really valuable in other sense. So it's always the opportunity to learn. I would really back that up. Um, I think you mentioned a famous coach there, uh, John Wooden, another one called Phil Jackson. Mm. Um, when they were traveling across America to different, um, different locations and different matches, he gave every player, he had a box of books and he gave every player the book and they had to discuss that book during the week. Um, and it was all about different ways of life, uh, different thoughts. Ultimately, it was all about mental preparation and how they view view things yeah absolutely you know and ultimately he would take in that growth mindset basically what you were talking about there in terms of learning your thirst you know you really want more knowledge um and that's the exciting bit i think once you start to learn you realize how much you have to learn and that's that's where you Mm. start to really run with it you know um no the only thing i would say in terms of tips paul would be uh to engage with the mental side of preparation Um, we're all very averse, or very, um, uh, I suppose, au fait with the mental side, or sorry, with the the physical side of preparation. Um, You know, there's people in gyms all over Belfast tonight, there's people all over over the world uh, training hard. Um, But there's a gap in that type of preparation. If you're talking about it in a sales context, why not try visualization? Why not look at your best ever performance, your best ever task, Uh, and visualise it and apply that to tomorrow or apply that to your next task you know give it a lash give it a go google it if you want to to see how how sports people do it Um, and very simply it's about getting into a relaxed environment um, thinking about your past performance and applying that to the future and if you do that enough times then you know you're simply training your brain and I've often said this to players we are simply programming ourselves every day Mm. how we think who we talk to the company we have everything around us programmes us to think in a certain way um, the more we challenge that, that's very, very important, that's growth mindset again. Um, but I would ask anyone listening to really give it a go. Give it a, give it a shot, visualization, sit down, relax yourself, breathe in a certain way, um, think back to a really good performance in the past and bring that to the form uh, forward performance. Um, give it a lash, see how it goes.
0: Um, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's an excellent uh, piece of advice. And you know, if you look back and, and you think of times in your life when you've come to really critical moments, um, and you you, you you consider the moment that basketball here uh, michael jordan um phil jackson consider mm. your boss you but consider all these other moments where you're engaging with other people and you know going to going to speak to the bank manager did you prepare for the bank was talking to the bank manager about your loan did you prepare? Did you visualize him saying yes, or did you think, "Oh sure, I'm never going to get it. I don't get this sort of stuff," mm-hmm. and and that weighs heavy on your psyche, and you go in with the whole thing switched off, and that's the negativity that the black cloud that's coming in with you. and The bank manager's going, "You don't exude any kind of confidence here. I can't give you money because I don't really feel that you're wired into the whole program." Mm-hmm. These these things just happen to be all part of life. I I think that personal experience, and I talked about this earlier on, Anthony, about the your subconscious. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a book called The Chimp Paradox. If you if you want to read that, good luck to you. I could I, page seventeen. I had to put it down. It was Jimmy Eden, um. But the whole the whole notion that you're subconscious like and the best example I can give is you're driving a car and you learn your your to pass your car the the, the driving test, and everything about that is almost like a, a phase of deep practice. You've got a guy on your shoulder telling you you're doing right doing wrong he's he's encouraging you he's motivating he's he's you're doing mirror signal maneuver you're doing all of these things uh, sequentially you're uh, you're controlling your own uh, body temperature because you know what the sweaty hands feel like you're trying to control you're trying to get to your optimum level of preparation so the guy says well done mr macdonald you've passed and then once he says you've passed you just start becoming a really bad driver again because your subconscious, yeah, I'm really good at this now. Mm -hmm. And that's neither fixed nor growth. That's a little bit in the middle where... And I always think you should really challenge your subconscious. So if you're driving home some way, drive home a different way. If you walk through town some night, walk through a different way. If you go to the same bar every Friday night, go to a different bar. If you're always watching the same programs, challenge yourself to watch the news on Russia Today at 9 o'clock and see how they think about it. Challenge yourself because your subconscious is really happy with the job you've given it. Like It just loves this
1: whole, like,
0: I, everything's dead on here,
1: you know? and yeah it's mediocrity you know and our society probably drives that at us every day mediocrity is good be safe um pay your taxes be a good citizen but there's much more and you know there's and that that's simply is a mindset it's simply how we think and how we view things um i don't know anything near enough what i hope to know in terms of this area um but that's the exciting bit mm. that's the bit that's the chunk that i want to want to get into and I hopefully a year from now, I'll know more than I do today, and that's, as I say, that's the excitement. But that's that's what I want to get.
0: I have to ask this question because it's a, it's the time of year that's in it. So, a uh, you're coaching any teams at the minute? No, I, I know you finished a coaching session with with Gall and, and um Donegal yeah. and Tyrone together in the one room, all that sort of stuff. But
1: yeah, no rouse yet.
0: Yeah, no rise yet. What are your plans? Any any plans to get
1: involved again no, soon? Or no time time to put the feet up for a while. I've been involved now. Um, between Queens at Sigerson level, uh, Donegal Minors the last couple of years and Donegal Under-21s this year. So that was back to back for the last almost five years. Um, and this is the first gap I've had, so I intend to use it. Or sorry, my wife tells me I'm, I should intend to use it. So yeah. uh, no, it's time to, to spend time with the family, get a, a bit of balance back again and um, and and learn. Um, listen to podcasts every day at the minute, listen to an audio book at the moment, really enjoying it. Um, and just trying to learn more. And that's that's so much out there. That's the exciting bit, as I say.
0: And do you think, um, just on football, do you think two things? Do you think Leicester can do it? And what, what can they do next year? What's where, where do they go for success next year? Because right now, um, and I know that Ranieri, when he's interviewed, he always says, we're safe. And that's the main thing. Yeah, and that's what yeah. we set out to. And he's managing everybody's expectations bar the players. Because they've said, no, hang on a second. We can do this. Yeah. So what about year two? It's like, you know, Let's assume they're already in the Champions League. So what about year two for Leicester? And then finally, how does anybody stop Dublin in the GAA?
1: Well, Leicester is a really interesting one. I thought about it recently over the last couple of weeks. What are they doing right? Um, Simply what they're doing correct is that the score looks after itself. That whole phrase, they simply go out week week in, week out and perform against their goals, perform against their their KPIs and simply churn in that performance on a consistent basis. That's not about winning the Premiership. That's not about coming fourth or coming whenever. That's simply going out performing each week, and that is ultimately what they're getting right. That's not about you know what they're going to do next year. I think they simply go out and perform week in week out again. So they're not even
0: thinking about next year.
1: I, I would seriously doubt it. You know they, they've gone past their, their team goal of staying up in the Premiership. Um, Ranieri's on record as saying you know so they're really relaxed. You know it it isn't about winning the premiership they've already achieved their goal so it's now about what's the small goals this week what's this you know we go back to that what's the next five minutes about again uh jamie vardy scoring 21 22 goals it's fairy tale stuff but he's just simply doing what his goals tell him to do and and they're all the process goals so very much based on the process um and as i say, that famous saying you know the score looks after itself when you're doing all those little things right you're engaging mentally uh, physically you're doing all those little things right everything else will look after itself and that doesn't mean necessarily winning premierships because it's about the opposition as well. It's about doing those small process things and that's where we're getting it right.
0: Yeah. And in the middle of that, I, you know, I, as you're talking, I can I can envision, sorry, visualize two things. One is Ranieri's happy demeanor, totally uh, disconnected with his Chelsea experience because mm. he didn't like it. You could tell he's really enjoying this. In fact, he's loving it. And also those players are just smiling all the time. They, the success for them has already happened they've arrived yeah, at success you, know,
1: you say can they do it, they've, they've done it they've, yeah. they've achieved their goal um, winning the Premiership, I know it's a massive historic thing but that's almost secondary they've achieved their goal, yeah. they've sat down and decided what their goals are and they've set their plan to achieve that goal and, and they've done it um, what they will do next year again, that's a, that's, that's the big challenge for them um, the growth mindset will tell them that they simply can go out and develop further they can progress and, and get better Mm. not by winning things not about these you know and again that's this is where the mental side comes in you know the journalists out there will tell you about winning competitions and getting into the champions league and all that sort of stuff you know it's not about that that is the secondary it's about achieving those short term goals and the process goals and and you know all the little things that they have to achieve to make them the best they can possibly be and that starts on an individual basis as you mentioned earlier it's about those little things that an individual can do first of all what, when they get out of bed every morning. And we mentioned humility. They've had a lot of things going for them to be successful that probably other um, other big clubs and big teams are, are looking on with envy. Um, there will be a massive challenge next year. There'll be premiership champions. They'll all probably have contracts reviewed and they'll be in a different place. Mm. And therefore, maybe um, it'll be a bit more challenging for them. But that, that's the interesting And thing. And his-
0: history will read also that Liverpool, Manchester United and uh Chelsea are all in periods of transition and therefore not up their optimum, but you know what? you can only beat the teams that are in front of you you know so let's not give Manchester united they oh they did the treble, well done to them, like Leicester deserve that you know this is team of my lifetime I've never seen a team like to go from potential relegation to to go to Premier League winners in the modern era the,
1: with players the money those players are are rejects from other clubs completely yeah. completely. Um, Ranieri is a reject ma- reject yeah, manager, you yeah, know. Yeah. So that in itself, if you think about the mindset around that. Yeah. You know, the what that will have brought. Now you can argue that there are other clubs that probably have the same, uh, that should have the same ethos going on. Um, but look, they 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 engage properly in mental preparation. That's a massive thing. Other, and I can tell you, the culture in soccer is not to uh, engage in that side of things. I spent as short bit of time in Nottingham Forest, um, and they were it was not part of the culture. Um, it is in GAA. It is in rugby, very much in rugby, um, and it is in Leicester. You know, is why, Leicester you know why? You know why? You know why? In 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 the in
0: the bigger Premier League teams, the soccer teams, there's too much money there. If you're in GAA and you know that you know, and let's just, I'm going to answer that question. Toronto will win the All Ireland this year, so let's not worry about Dublin too much. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't think
1: Toronto will win All Ireland, but I think they win Ulster.
0: Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to jump on to part two of this conversation. (laughs) Um, We're running past the hour. Anthony, it's been really, really brilliant, really charming. I've enjoyed that a lot. I hope that people listening have uh, taken on board something. I've taken, um, I'm writing notes furiously here that I will probably write to accompany a blog piece that goes along with this um, and give some references back to books that Anthony has mentioned. And the legacy book in in All Black is one, John Wooden, Phil Jackson, The Eleven Rings. It's here, I haven't read it yet, but I look forward to it. Um, but man, thanks very much. That was really good. So uh, enjoy
1: it, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for your time.
0: Um, Anthony is uh, um, so I normally say to people hit this guy up on Twitter and follow him on his website. Anthony is a um recruitment manager, domestic recruitment manager at Queen's University. But yeah, that's the
1: day job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, domestic recruitment manager for Queen's University in Belfast. Yeah.
0: Okay. So and he's also um. Uh, highly experienced sports psychologist coach and everything else and um, I'm going to leave his twitter details on um, the podcast when it goes live Um, he always posts a lot of really interesting stuff in this space if you're interested in following I've valued his opinion since I first met him which is probably a little bit over 10 years ago in the Belfast Festival of Queens maybe 2005 or something like that, two thousand and four. Yeah, but I'm right, the, right, right. Yeah, listen. Thanks very much, man. I really appreciate it. So I hope you've all enjoyed I it. Um, you can follow me at shift-control.co.uk uh, um, or shift at shift-control66 on Twitter. So take it easy. Thanks very much, and I'll be back again soon.